today we're going to talk about the Sermon on the, Mat- on the Mount and specifically the Beatitudes. Thank you, Jane, for uh, all the pictures that you're going to put. I have not seen them, but I give uh, Jane creative license to put whatever she wants to put up on the screen aside from the verses that I send her. But uh, I, I love this picture of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which encompasses three chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, 5, 6, and 7. There are five discourses recorded by Christ. And for me, there is a feeling that's hard to describe when reading it. Uh, when I look at that picture, there's a couple things that come to mind. I think it's probably because Jesus is speaking and teaching here. And it's all the focus is on him. I'm going to open my Bible to these just in case. I know, Jane, you said you put some of these up. Uh, so I think some of the things that makes this so profound uh, is the authority and confidence that's given by Christ here. And in Matthew chapter 7, also part of the Sermon on the Mount, verses 28 and 29, it says this, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And I think that's what makes this Sermon on the Mount, uh, Sermon on the Mount, so important. It's a reminder that Jesus came to fulfill the law. Matthew 5.17 says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And I think also he's teaching us how we should live through the Holy Spirit. And, of course, Jesus was giving his instructions to his newly commissioned disciples. I want to read a quote that I came across that I just found fascinating. And I wanted to read it to you because it came from someone that you may know, some may not know. How many people know who Omar Bradley was? A few? Okay. So let me tell you who Omar Bradley was. Omar Bradley was probably the second most... Eh, can't think about... I've got I to include uh, another general in this. So probably one of the top three generals involved in World War II, maybe four generals. Uh, he was right under Eisenhower. He finished in the same class as Eisenhower, 44th according to his bio, out of West Point. It was kind of a quiet general, if you will. Was trained well, and that's why he was chosen to move up through the ranks. At one point, he commanded the most men ever by one person during World War II. And I forget that number, but it's, it's significant. Uh, a big part of the Battle of Normandy. And then he was also our very first chief of staff of the army very first one. I don't know much about his spiritual life, but I guess we could read something into it when I read you this quote from him. So think about all that went on in World War II, all the responsibilities. Hard to wrap our arms around with this. And we have to keep talking about this because, you know, there's not many World War II veterans left, and we're going to forget what World War II was all about. And 
we should all remember that history does repeat itself. Yes? Here's this quote. Ours is a world of nuclear giants and ethical infants. We know more about war than we know about peace, more about killing than we know about living. We have grasped the mystery of the atom and rejected the Sermon on the Mount. I thought that was a pretty profound quote from Omar and Bradley. And of course, when he's talking about the mystery of the atom, uh, I'm pretty sure he's probably talking about the atomic bomb and all the ramifications of that which we still live with today. So essentially what Jesus is conveying to his disciples and us is if we are... Uh, sorry. We, I skipped right to the end. Whoa. Wow. And look at all the time I've got left. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, today I would like to talk about the very first teaching of Jesus, the Beatitudes. And I have heard someone, I cannot remember who it was, uh, talk about these teachings that they could be thought of as the B, B-E attitudes, B hyphen attitudes. That is how we should be, think, and act. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different, something you're familiar with but we haven't done in some time because it's going to encompass the verses that, you're, that Jane's going to put up on the screen. So I'd like you to reach into the pew and pull out that hymnal in front of you and turn to responsive reading number 580. So this is my way of getting you involved this morning. And let's stand when we read these verses. So responsive reading number 580. The Beatitudes. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountains. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. 
And all God's people said? Okay, you may be seated. So we have Jesus going up into the mountain, onto the mountain, and to move away from a large gathering of people to set the scene. He is seated, as you saw in that picture that Jane put up, a posture that is, was normal for rabbis when teaching. And then his disciples followed him, and then he began to teach them. So we'll start in verse 3. He begins saying to them, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I wanted to look this up because you see that word blessed, B-L-E-S-S-E-D. Sometimes it's pronounced blessed, and I kind of thought that that was just the way it was pronounced in the, you know, in the, uh, in the Bible. Um, but there is a difference. So when it's used as a verb, it's one, creates action, right, verb? It's used as one syllable as in blessed, B-L-E-S-T, blessed. When it's used as an adverb or a noun, it is pronounced with two syllables as in blessed. So these verses are blessed. Uh, The word blessed can be defined several ways, but here, think of it as happy or fortunate, even joyful. So we could almost rephrase this first verse, happy or fortunate are the poor in spirit. What does Jesus mean when he says poor in spirit? If we are poor in spirit, then we inherit the kingdom of heaven? You might ask, yes, meaning that we recognize that we are spiritually bankrupt without God. We realize we are lost without Him, and we do so in a complete attitude of humility. We are in a right mindset, poor in spirit. A couple quotes this morning for you. Listen to what Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and I don't think I need to point out who these individuals are. This is what Charles Haddon Spurgeon had to say about poor in spirit. And let me tell you, he had a lot to say. I can't remember if it was all the Beatitudes. It may have been just on this one verse, and it was... 10, 12 pages. That sermon would have gone beyond my timer, I can assure you. Poor in spirit, quote, the words sound as if they describe the owners of nothing, and yet they describe the inheritors of all things. Happy poverty, exclamation point. Millionaires sink into insignificance. The treasures of the Indies evaporate in smoke, while to the poor in spirit remains a boundless, endless faultless kingdom, which renders them blessed in the esteem of him who is God over all, blessed forever. John Calvin said this, we shall never be clothed with righteousness, with the righteousness of Christ, unless we first know assuredly that we have no righteousness of our own. And then another quote that I like is from D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. We have to be poor in spirit before we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. This was the very first thing that Christ taught His disciples and us. For you see, without this mindset and change of heart, the rest of the Beatitudes mean nothing and we cannot perceive them. 
we would still be trying to do things on our own with no salvation, no eternal life. Listen to what Christ said in Luke 18 through, uh, I'm sorry, 18, 9 through uh, 14. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisees, Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not like as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Is that a good way to pray? No. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. How can we be poor in spirit more than just an occasional thought or moment? It's a good question. Here are a few thoughts. So how about we start by being thankful continually throughout the day to God for all that He blesses us with. So this is about a mindset, about an attitude. Praying immediately when we sin in thought or deed. The Bible says, pray how? Without ceasing. Thank Brother Mark. Maybe mentioned that uh, in the last two weeks. Uh, praying about, speaking about these, these thoughts, deeds, praying uh, for forgiveness for some thought we think, some sinful thought we dwell on, saying something we say to someone that is harsh, thoughtless, and hurt them or embarrass them, something we did that was hurtful. Something we didn't do that was hurtful. Anything that hurts our witness and does not bring glory to our Lord. And when we sin, who is there with us? Who lives in us? The Holy Spirit. Giving thanks and praise to our Heavenly Father for all His creations. For giving us the ability to enjoy them and putting us over all of them and realizing how small we are when we compare ourselves against them. Praying for others in need. Think about the people around the world who have nothing, who are desperate. How often do we stop and think about that? How often do we think about people outside of the boundaries of our yard, our neighborhood, our town, our state, our country? Uh, I was going to look up some stats, and I didn't, about how many people... Uh, don't even have a bicycle. We've, I could ask you how when's the last time anybody in here rode a bicycle. But they're hanging in the garage, I'm sure, somewhere. And yet there are people that would just love to have something like that. You know, when we, when we prepare the, uh, the boxes for uh, Franklin Graham, what's the name? Samaritan's Purse, thank you. 
That's going to a child somewhere across the world. And everything in that box, stuff that we take for granted, a toothbrush, a washcloth, a ball, uh, other healthcare issues, a game. We look at that like it's nothing. And yet to some child, it's everything because they have nothing. So if we're looking for something to pray about on a regular basis, all we have to do is stop and think. It's all about attitude. The thought crossed my mind this morning, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to myself so you can deduce whatever you want for you as I speak to me. When I come to church every Sunday, it will be very easy for me to walk through these doors and sit and listen to a sermon and feel pretty good because I made an effort to come to God's house. I listened to a sermon, and it's like, it's like, it's like the, the, uh, you know, the Pharisee. You know, Lord, look what, look what I did, all what I did for you today. We did nothing. We did nothing. It's the wrong attitude. We can, uh, look, I think all of us here have come to at least one sermon and left without even realizing what we heard. Same applies for reading our devotions or time in prayer. We can read devotions. We can read Scripture. We, we physically read every word and comprehended nothing. So it's all about attitude, and that takes effort on our part. Uh, I'm sure many times all of us have read through Scripture, read our devotions. We read it, and we stop for a moment and realize, I don't know what that just said. We, we have to make an effort. Look, I've told you this before. I still am working hard on it. I, I meet people all the time. And I can tell you this just happened to me recently. I introduce myself to someone or they introduce themselves to me. Ask me two seconds later what their name was. I'm serious. It's, ter- it's a terrible thing. My mind is on so many other things that I never heard what they said. Now I want to call them by their first name, and I can't remember what it was. So now I've got to ask them for a business card. <laughs> so it's, it's not good. It's not good. That's, that has to take effort on my part, and I've been doing this for 45 years plus. It takes effort to remember that. And I've got to tell you, calling someone by their first name is a wonderful thing. It's a, believe me, it's a wonderful thing. In any walk in life, not just the business world, when somebody comes up and uh, it calls you by name, and how many times has this happened to you? You met somebody, weeks, months later, you encounter them again, they say, by your first name, how are you? How you been? And you're sitting there, and it's like, yeah. So we fake it, right? How do we fake it? We say, hey, and the longer we pull the hey out, the more we're trying to convey to them that we know their name, <laughs> and we don't. Uh, so, attitude, attitude. So when we come to, to this church house and we walk through those doors, uh, we need to be m- mindful of why we are here. We're going to talk about something in, in a moment to think about. 
and uh, Randy and I, uh, and Randy has mentioned it to me, and it's come up a couple times. When you leave church today, look above those doors. Somebody mentions it from time to time, but because we're here all the time, we probably never pay attention to what's written above those doors. So when we leave here today, make a conscious effort to just read it and think about it. And here's the key. We come to church and we hear a sermon. We are supposed to not just listen, we're supposed to do something, right? Be ye not hearers of the word only, but doers. We've heard that verse how many times? And we're still sometimes stuck in the same place. So I'm talking to me, by the way. Just want you to know that. So you get the point here. We need to realize how dependent we are on the Lord. John 15, 5 says, how dependent are we? How dependent? John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, right? That's the same time, both ways, right? It's a two-way street. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do, say it, nothing. nothing. So that's poor in spirit. We need to constantly be reminding ourselves that we are totally dependent on the Lord. We need to be thinking about how we're going to be blessed. And if you notice, all these beatitudes, you know, it's a condition and then a, re, you know, a response to our reaction, if, right? Uh-oh, timed out. You're out of luck. <laughs> now i got to look at the clock. All right, so let's go on to Matthew 5, verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So when you read these Beatitudes, right, these are almost like the parables. You really have to stop and think, what is Christ trying to convey to his disciples and to us today? This is not what you might think it to be if you just read it quickly and moved on. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Well, this can apply to mourning and consolation. This can be a continuation, perhaps, of the first beatitude that we just discussed, where we are poor in spirit and mourning over our sins. And we should feel conviction from the Holy Spirit through it. The spiritual bankruptcy we have before realizing only Christ can wipe away our sins may make us feel as one who would mourn. David in the Psalms conveyed this emotion many times for us to understand this emotion better. Nobody better than David. Many, many times. Uh, again, the Psalms are some of the, maybe the best place to go when you are looking for comfort. Yes, we mourn and shed tears over the loss of a loved one, and, and we have prayed for several this morning who are mourning the loss of a loved one. We can mourn great disappointment, discouragement, and other emotions, and weeping and crying and that let us move on through these emotions. Let's talk about that for just a minute. Scripture says that Jesus wept, any idea how many times? 
Short, we all know that Jesus wept is the shortest verse in the Bible, right? But it's more than just that time that he said it. So let's look at that. John 11, verse, verse uh, 32 says, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit. I don't know if we can really grasp what that means, that Jesus groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. In verse 35, Jesus wept. So Jesus was God. He knew what happened here. He knew where he was going. He knew what the reactions were going to be. And yet, he experienced the same emotion that we do. He wept. I find that beyond my comprehension. He was God. He didn't have to weep, but yet he did for whatever reason that he wanted to convey to those around him. But it's said that he groaned in his spirit. That's troubling. You know, the, the Bible says that there are times when you, we cannot pray because we're so burdened. We just don't know what to pray. And then who steps in for us? The Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. The second time, Luke 19, 37 through 41. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it. And the third time, Hebrews 5, 7 through 9, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared... Though he were a son, yet he learned, he, though he was a son, yet he learned the obedience uh, by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to, unto all that obey him. So Jesus had the compassion to shed tears for us, as in the story of, of Lazarus. Let's go back to morning. After the morning, it says we will be comforted. And how will we be comforted and by who? So, see, we could, just, we could read that verse. You know, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And just move on. But until we dig into it a little bit, you know, we can't understand what Jesus is trying to convey. The comfort can be through salvation. We have forgiveness of our sins, and that is a great comfort. When Jesus was here, he was the comforter. Here's four verses about 
the Comforter. John 14, 16 through, uh, oh, these are, I'm sorry, these are all different verses. So John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another Comforter that he may abide with you forever. John 14, 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John 15, 26, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, shall testify of me. And John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I not go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now look, we've heard many, many sermons about the Holy Spirit, who is the third part, right, of uh, the uh, God, the Father, God, the uh, Son, God, the Holy Spirit. We tend not to think about the Holy Spirit too much, and yet the Holy Spirit lives in us. You know, we have the guidance that we need. When we sin, the Holy Spirit is with us. We bring Him there. When we think of something sinful, when we don't do a kind deed, or maybe we are unkind, the Holy Spirit is there with us. We need to remember that. We should have the same level of mourning about our own sinful state. It should be every day, not just occasionally. If we sin and ask for forgiveness, immediately, listen to this, it will not be remembered again. That sin. Now, we may commit that sin over and over and over again. Maybe it's a habitual sin. But the Bible says that if we are quick to pray and ask for forgiveness of that sin, God won't remember it. Now, what we do with that habitual sin that keeps recurring, that's on us. We, we, you know, we need to ask for forgiveness. We need to ask for help so that we can move on from that. We should have the same, uh, uh, the same attitude every day and it's got to be continual, praying all throughout the day. You know, we talked about this at men's ministry uh, last month, I, I think, Sam, uh, if I recall. You know, what's a good time to pray? The start of the day? The end of the day? We kind of had some mixed thoughts on this. Truth be known, it should be all day including both the beginning and the end. Why the beginning? Because at the beginning of the day, don't we want to ask God for help and protection for us, for our families, for guidance through the course of the day so we can have the right attitude regarding these things? Uh, pray throughout the day as the Holy Spirit leads things, uh, lays things on our hearts and our minds about someone, about something. And then at the end of the day, to kind of recoup everything, where did we make it? Where did we not make it? Were we, were we successful about something, et cetera, et cetera? It, it's a good way to kind of recap the day. And 
I would like to think that if we're in that attitude, in that mode, we're going we're, we're gonna to be where we should be about being poor in spirit all day, every day. Because if anything should become habitual, it should be that, right? Not, not all the bad habits. So here's some other verses that I want to convey to you. Uh, Psalm 103, 12 says uh, about asking for forgiveness, that it will not be remembered again. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. How far is the east from the west? If anybody's going to answer that, I want to talk to you after the service. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Verse 17, and their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. There is a caveat to this in the Sermon on the Mount. Right after the teaching, right after teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer. Rhonda, I know you like the Lord's Prayer. Not wrong about that, right? Um. Uh, the caveat is that we need to forgive others. Matthew 6, 14 says, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I listened to an over-hour-long sermon on this verse uh, from John MacArthur, and it was uh, well over an hour. Uh, and uh, the conclusion that I got from this was that we need to take our faith and gift of salvation seriously, perhaps more than we do. Just stop and think about that for a second. I'm not sure how to convey this to you. If we take our faith for granted, like we turn on the light switch, like we turn on the faucet at home, is that possible that we could take our faith for granted that much? Is it possible? I think it probably is. We need to not only remind ourselves, why do we fellowship here together? I know there are people listening in, I know there are people watching. When you are in this church house and we are fellowshipping together, don't we have the ability to convey to each other, to encourage each other, to edify each other? It's not just the pastor's job to do that. That's all of us together. So some of the things that, that uh, he pointed out, John MacArthur did this, was that, you know, that people laugh at the church today. You turn on the news, right? The church at large, now we're talking a whole group, it's, it's religion in general. And we know that we're Christians. We serve Christ. You know, we can group it under religion, but that's really not where we are, are we? We're, we're, religion is just a, 
a broad word for a lot of things. People laugh at the church today. Uh, maybe you're still in the workplace. Maybe you had a conversation with somebody. Uh, maybe not the workplace. Just out having a conversation. And, uh, you know, someone just kind of dismissed you. It's a horrible feeling. But we need to be strong more today than ever before. And I say that because the church is under attack. And if you don't believe that, turn on the news and listen once in a while. You won't be surprised. We can certainly say this. It's no laughing matter. Our faith is no laughing matter. We need to take it seriously. So here's a thought. Now, I think laughter is one of the great gifts from God. I think it's important that when we laugh in church, and we do, I think we need to be cognizant of how we laugh, what we're laughing at, and where we laugh. So let me ask you a question. Is there a difference from this, these four walls, which we call a sanctuary? Is there a difference, should there be a difference, of what takes place in here as opposed to what takes place back there in the annex? I'll ask the question. I'm not expecting an answer. Should there be? I will tell you that when I was a child, anyone, and parents gave everyone the permission to say something to their child if they were not doing something that, or doing something they shouldn't be doing in this sanctuary. Amen? Anybody remember that? We've kind of relaxed that through the years, right? Maybe we take it seriously, maybe we don't. Uh, but I think, and I've heard people say this many times, when we walk through those doors, which is kind of why we, we start with music and hymns so that, because when people greet each other, now look, we, this church is different. Other, many churches have a, a vestibule when you walk in, a place to hang your coats, uh, maybe get your mail, uh, whatever goes on. But once you walk into that sanctuary, should there be a change in our mind? That's why we kind of set that tone. Because if it's really loud in here, then what, what are we conveying to the Lord? I, let me just ask that question. I'm not saying we need major changes in our attitude here at Amwell. Well, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, what's our mindset when we are in this sanctuary. What do, now, this is a building, but what do we call this building? God's house, right? This is different. This place is different from other places. So, this was another interesting point. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that Jesus laughed. We don't know that. It says Jesus wept. We know that. Uh, I, all I'm going to say about that is that Christ, in my mind, uttered no unnecessary words ever, ever. I think every word that he ever said, however he said it to whoever he said it to, had some weight of importance. I mean, he was here to fulfill, right? We just read that this morning. 
I don't know if Christ laughed. I, I, I would like to think that he had a sense of humor. He gave us that gift. Because when you are laughing, it's impossible, I think. I don't think you have to be a genius to figure this out. It's impossible when you're laughing to be sad, right? To be angry. You can't. To be stressed, you can't. When, laughter just takes us to a whole different place. It's, it's wonderful. It's just when we do it, how we do it, where we do it. You know, it's, uh, it can be an uncomfortable place. Listen, I've been on a lot of construction sites in my career and hear lots of stuff and jokes. It's a very uncomfortable place to be as a Christian. Very. Because you don't want to offend somebody. You know you can't and don't want to laugh at whatever they're saying. Now look, if it's, a, if it's something light, uh, okay. But most jokes are not like that, not from guys. So, uh, again, we'll, we'll leave it here this morning. But I just want to say that uh, when we leave here this morning, think, let's think about our attitudes it, it, regarding these things that we spoke about. Let's think about where we should be, what we should be trying to do. Think about our faith. Think about our eternal life. Think about the ability that God gives us uh, to witness to others, which we should be doing in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and, and just the price that was paid by Christ at Calvary. And, and, and for anyone that's listening in today, or maybe sitting here this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, if you know, don't know what that's about, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit is working on and in someone today, right? Calling them. They can make that commitment or not, or wait. And as any pastor, and especially Billy Graham, right, uh, many times he would say, you know, should you wait? Why do you want to wait? You know, is there a danger in waiting? Yeah, there is. Especially if you're an adult. You know, and you know the difference between right and wrong. So, uh, I, and one thing I want to point out, you, uh, I say it almost every time I'm up here. I noticed last week, uh, this is last week's bulletin, and I don't know if you look at the back, but last week's bulletin uh, was about the Beatitudes. So I thought, wow, that's the Holy Spirit working, and... Uh, I'm always amazed by it. I'm always amazed by it. So I went to Rhonda and I said, Rhonda, what, what, do you have next week's bulletin? So if you look on the back of this week's bulletin, you will see what? The Beatitudes. Now, I didn't choose this subject. Think about that timing. That's, that's an awesome thing. Now, this is a, if you read these, these are a different light. Uh, just a quick snapshot uh, someone's opinion on the Beatitudes, but nevertheless, it's there. You may want to read it this morning. I just wanted to point that out to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for having spent time in your word this morning. We pray, Lord, that you received honor and glory because we worshiped you together this morning. 
We pray that it was not only through the spoken word, but through the singing of the hymns, uh, other things that were said, the prayers that were offered up. Thank you, Father, for what Christ did at Calvary for us. And let us reflect on that, not just this morning, but as we leave here later in the day, as we ask for your guidance for the week ahead, uh, put us in front of someone that you want us to convey your kingdom work to, even if it's just a quick conversation, a kind deed that we did. But let us be mindful about what it is that we did, because there may be a future conversation, or maybe we only planted a seed and someone else will nourish it. Give us guidance as we leave here today. Traveling mercies for everyone. Thank you for, for everyone that visited this morning and all those that have tuned in listening and watching. And it's in Christ's name that we ask it. Amen.